Well, thank you for downloading the latest episode of Behind the Mask, the podcast that introduces you to the people behind the athletes, all courtesy of Empower Sports Management. And joining myself, Andy Moon, and Mark Kelly today is Matt Tubbs. I was going to list the, the clubs you play for, Matt, but it might have taken us uh, most of the time. But thanks so much for joining us. No, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Matt, obviously, you're still still playing for, for Bashley now these days. You've had an incredible journey through football. Just, just generally, how do you, how do you reflect on it? Um, yeah, it's funny. I, I reflect on it in a way that I, I feel as if I've had a relatively successful career. That's that's sort of the, the way I look at it. But within saying that, I've been released from about seventy percent of the clubs that I've been at. So and I still feel as if I've had a relatively successful career um, with promotions and golden boots and stuff like that but for me all of that is materialistic in the football world someone said to me once that your career is judged if you've had a successful career it's what you've got after you're playing and for me I'm in a position now where I live in an amazing place in the country um you know I've got a wife and two kids who've supported me uh throughout my playing career so for me personally that's sort of the the biggest outtake that I can I can go from it Let's go right back to the start because obviously you played under under Kells at Bournemouth in in the youth team. But e- even your time in the youth team, you had a couple of years up at up at Bolton. Just talk us through your kind of early early development through the game. Yeah, so very early on, I think I was about five years old where I got scouted for Bournemouth to go into the School of Excellence up there, um, which was amazing. And I went through the whole program um, up until 15, 16, where I ended up training with the first team with uh, Sean O'Driscoll and. Um, uh, Willie Huck and those sort of guys. Wade Elliott was there at the time, so yeah, that that was amazing for me. But then I got the rejection. Then saying there was because they were going through financial struggles, and then there was nothing. Um, there was nothing for me going forward from a professional point of view. So I did what every sixteen-year-old did at the time: wrote off loads of letters to loads of football clubs. Uh, Bolton were one of the ones that I went up and had a trial. Um, I actually did really well uh, on my two trial games. Um, one against Liverpool where I scored two in my first game and then played Newcastle and done well but didn't score. So then they offered me the, the scholarship programme up there. So and again, went up there for, for two years, left home at 16, which was the best thing that could have happened to me, I think, personally, because I didn't get mothered as a, as a child, but going up there and going away from my family kind of made a bit more of a man out of me early on, um, which is what I probably needed at the time. So for me, it was the best thing that could have happened to me. So again, I spent two years up there with with Bolton and then got released by Bolton. Uh, again, Senna wasn't, wasn't good enough for the, for the level, which was Premier League, which was probably understandable. Uh, and then cut back down to, to Bournemouth in the, in the youth team for you know, a few months where obviously where, where Kells was. You said big decision at 16 made a, made a man out of you, but was that tough to go? I think there's a lot of 16 year olds who probably wouldn't have wanted to, to go 250 miles up north to somewhere that they didn't have their friends and family around them. Yeah, it was. It, it, yeah, it definitely was. I mean, for me, growing up, all I wanted to do was, was play football. And I had, uh, I had obviously the rejection from Bournemouth where I was training every day with the first team, which was which was great. And I didn't want to step away from that. Um, wasn't fantastic from an education point of view. So I didn't want to carry on my studies as such. Just wanted to go and, and play football and I had the opportunity to do that at Bolton, albeit a little bit of education alongside. Um, but yeah, 16 years old, going up to with a host family. Uh, it wasn't easy. It took me time to adapt to the northern style of life. But um, yeah, like I said, I look back on that time now where 
you know, for me, it was it was probably the best thing that could have happened to me. Have you always been a golf scorer? When did you realise that that you were, you were better than most to put the ball in the back of the net? Um, yeah, I, I just yeah, it's quite quite weird really. Because like you said, I, I'm never obviously you guys have seen me play and obviously work with cows like. I've never the one who's going to do three or four stepovers and then win in the top corner. That just that just wasn't my game. I just had a, I just had this kind of a knack to kind of be in the right place at the right time. And you know that I think Kevin Phillips was another one who, who I kind of watched um, in my sort of era generation growing up. Um, he he was very good at it as well. And just had a, just you're almost gambling as to whether you think the ball is going to go. And you know, luckily for me, I, I was kind of in the right place at the right time a lot of the times. So, um, where I was there to, to score the goals. I'm not sure it's about luck, Matt. To be fair to you, <laughs> I think you, I think you're doing yourself a big disservice there. You had brilliant time in getting into the box. You scored some great goals. You were clever. You were a box man and clever. And uh, you know, I played with a few myself and and, and worked with a few. But uh, you had that natural knack of just getting across people at the right time at the right place. And yeah. there's a real skill to that. And you really developed that over the years. Yeah, thanks. I really appreciate that. And what I've what I've, now I'm sort of at the you know the last tail end of sort of my career as such what I've looking back what I've what I realized when I was playing is I knew what I was good at and I didn't want to go away from that so I would never try and do something that I wasn't good at whereas now where I I coach in a in a college where I, I coach 16 to 19 year olds and obviously now coaching at Bashley their mindset is they will just try anything and they don't necessarily do consistently do what they're good at consistently as such so they'll try something and that's where they make, make mistakes it's where I, my knowledge will come in as a coach and just say, stick to what you're good at. If you're good at that, you're going to be good at that. And then nine times out of ten, if that all comes together, you're going to get results. How old were you when you realised that was that was the way you got to play? Um, probably mid twenties. I would have thought. I would have. Yeah, I would have thought. I think probably more when I signed for Bournemouth because I kind of grew up with kind of when I was, even when I was sixteen, when I went up to Bolton, uh, Allardyce was the manager. So whatever the first team were doing, the the youth team had to had to kind of match, and obviously that was very very route one. Then I went to Saws. Uh, I did well. I did Dorchester and then Salisbury, and again that was relatively direct with with Nick Harmton. Obviously when Kells was uh, hit, you know hit um, hit Selsey and then play off Selsey. And then after Salisbury it was Crawley with Steve Evans, and again that was very direct. And then I went to Bourm um, Bournemouth after Crawley, where it was Bradbury who wanted to play football, and then Eddie Howe who was total football, and that's where I had to try and adopt my game to be a bit of a different player um, and that sort of style kind of suited me but kind of didn't suit me at the same time and this is probably where I found the level kind of just passed me by where you had to have everything to play you know to play in the championship to play in the Premier League and I unfortunately I didn't I didn't have that at that level. Let's go back to the early Salisbury days because we talked about your kind of youth setup but but Salisbury what you know Southern League part-time then um how because it, you, you know they were there for seven years and were you always confident you could get that jump back to professional football and, and, and make that step up to the to the EFL what was that that part of your career like yeah I always had ambitions to do that but I think for me it was more of a on the crest of a wave kind of thing because we we had a great group of lads so it was one of the best dressing rooms I've ever been in it, it was it was really good obviously honest men that worked nine till five, even longer, then would come training and then would go home. And then Wednesday, they'd do the same, they'd, they'd work. And then Thursday would be a nine to five job. So they were honest men, which was which was brilliant for me. And I always had the, amb the ambitions to play professional. Um, so when the opportunity came around, it was, 
to be honest, it wasn't necessarily in, well, Salisbury went full-time, kind of a mixture with full-time and part-time. And that kind of concept never really worked as such because a lot of the older players at Salisbury have been there a long time and the new ones coming through were full-time. For me, that didn't really necessarily work. But then Salisbury obviously went into the administration side of it and then Crawley, um, Crawley put in an offer. And again, for me, it wasn't necessarily an easy decision because, like I said, seven years at Salisbury was... And the success I had and the group of lads that I was leaving behind was was tough. It would, would have been a tough decision. It was a tough decision. But I was in a stage of my life where I won't go into too much detail, but I had to kind of move away as such. Um, uh, so I, I moved away and I kind of, kind of grateful I did because I you know, had, a, had a good 18 months uh, Crawley after that. Yeah, you said crest of a wave at, at, at Salisbury, but you, you really came into Crawley at the right time and just hit the ground running and kept that fantastic form form up all the, all the way through that time at Crawley yeah it was amazing uh I, I love my time at Crawley and I look back now and I'm you know I, I still try and get up there when I can and yeah I'd like I say I, I had an amazing time there again Steve Evans as a manager not many people like him but he's he doesn't really he doesn't care that doesn't phase him one little bit probably the more people that don't dislike him he probably prefers that more um but he had a way of playing he, he wouldn't go out and sign the best players in the league he'd sign the ones that would fit into the group and again, that worked really well within the dressing room dynamics. And um, yeah, we, again, we we just went, you know, we, we flew through the conference in our first year. And then the, the second year, I got sold uh, at the end of January. And again, that was Bournemouth where, you know, it was too, too good of an um, opportunity to turn down. You're starting to get, because obviously Crawley paid, what, somewhere around 50,000 for you, you know, sold you for a lot more 18 months later. That January window... Yeah, how do you start hearing that the interest might be coming coming your way? Um, well, it was actually it was actually the the summer prior to that because I'd, I'd scored forty goals in the um, in the conference where we got to score promoted to League Two, and I was speaking to my to my agent at the time, and, and I was kind of saying I, I didn't really have a Barney with him, but I was kind of like I've scored forty goals and there's there's no interest in me. Like I'm like, what are you kind of doing for me? And having that kind of bit of a conversation with him kind of you know help probably accelerate things a little bit more and he his advice to me was just prove yourself at, at league two see if you can do it at league two and then come christmas time there will be plenty more opportunities and i kind of took that advice and then went with it and then i think i scored 18 19 up until the end of january in league two and then like i said i ended up getting that um getting that move to bournemouth and yeah things started brilliantly i remember a freezing cold january night tuesday i think it was exeter that you scored on your debut was yeah yeah it was excellent. I think we ended up winning the game yeah I think yeah we, we won the game in the end but yeah it was a it was an amazing feeling because obviously the pressure as well of, of going with that kind of fee where I've been at Bournemouth previously and then coming back because I went there I was at Salisbury and I went there on loan as well where when Jimmy Quinn was manager and then Jimmy Quinn left Eddie Howe come in and loans went back to their parents club so and then going back again for like a third time and such, it was almost, yeah, it was a bit bit of a saint to something to prove. But, you know, I was just glad that, you know, the deal got done and, you know, scoring on your debut in front of the home fans was was amazing. And look, obviously Bournemouth at that point was a club, you know, just starting to rev their engine on that on that incredible journey they've been on. What was it like at that time? Yeah, it was amazing. Like you said, it was, they were at the start of a, of a journey and, you know, the journey from, from then until now has just been incredible and, it, and it's continuing as well, which, which is good to see. Um, but yeah, I, again, I love my time there. Um, it was, obviously I had uh, Brad Bradders as manager to start with and then 
the Groves took over, and then obviously Eddie. So in the space of six months, you kind of you kind of go through three managers, and then when Eddie Howe comes in with with a new style of play than what the players were used to, um, and bringing his own players in as well, which was which was which was good, uh, which was what the club needed, um, and then from then the club just accelerated. Um, Eddie Howe took the club to a whole another level. That was such an interesting time because Bradbury was fairly unfortunate to lose his job. Groves certainly from the outside looking in was a, a strange appointment that just speaking to him, he, he didn't necessarily come across as a man who had what he needed to have about him. And then suddenly Eddie comes in. So even that in, in the journey, that sort of eight, nine month period itself was, was, was kind of crazy. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Like I said, going through those, the transition of the three different managers was, was, was crazy. But like I said, it speaks volumes, volumes of Eddie Howe and the group of lads we had because we, I think we were fourth from bottom when Groves got sacked and then obviously Eddie took over and then we got promoted that season. But we, I remember being in the dressing room, I think I think it was Carlisle, where where we, we'd we got promoted, I think we'd already been promoted, but then it was, are we going to win the league? And then the team that the team that were kind of to and fro with us, I think it might be Doncaster, they they won it on the last kick of the game. And in the dressing room, it was really weird because the whole all the lads were really deflated. And then I sort of kind of said to them, like, lads, take your harsh your minds back seven months ago. We were fourth from bottom. And then now we are promoted. Everyone would have took that. So and then the kind of mood started to change a little bit. It started to swing a little bit around. And obviously, as you can imagine, a trip home from Carlisle um, and then out on the town after the promotion was, was amazing. It's always going to be a late night if the, the night out is uh, after after the way back from, from Carlisle. And look, at, at this point of your career, things are going fairly well. Had you started to think about what you might want to do afterwards? Because obviously, you know, you'd had time playing as a part-time player. You, you, it's not like you'd just come through the system. What were you, what were you thinking about post-career plans at that point? Um, at, probably at that point, it probably wasn't wasn't a great deal, to be honest. I think it was more when I was kind of dotting round on loan, kind of at Bournemouth and towards the end of my Bournemouth time, I think. Especially... Um, Kind of then Pompey, I would have thought that would have been my my the, the sort of switch in my head that I had to I had to get something in place because um, at Bournemouth and obviously when you're leaving uh, a championship club at the time you're kind of thinking at least League One and I can hold my own there for a few years and then maybe League Two for a few years and then that will take me up to 35. You know, from a financial point of view, I should be relatively steady. Then I'll go in the conference for a few years and you know pick up some cash and then I'll go part time and get a job and then and then progress it from there. But um, yeah, as as everyone knows, that that journey doesn't doesn't necessarily happen. As an interest, Matt, you uh, I think you you wrote you've done an article lately stating your big you, th- you think your biggest success you've ever had in football is how you transitioned out of football um do you want to talk about that do you want to describe how you felt with it and the meaning behind that yeah absolutely I mean I, I was at Bournemouth I was I was obviously I was at Bournemouth and you know I was earning I was I was earning good money at the time and I kind of I was coming to sort of my 30s and then in my mind I'm thinking to myself I'm not going to be obviously be earning this this type of money forever, so I need to get a plan in place. And even I remember when we got promoted, obviously lads in the dressing room, the obviously wages went up obviously a lot higher. And then they were coming in in big four by fours, big you know big smart cars, Aston Martins and that. And I just just had my Astra, <laughs> I think it was a '54 plate Astra, and the lads were battering me. I said, Tubbs, any chance? He's like, get, go get yourself a nice car. And I'm like, 
I'm, I'm happy with this. Like, I'm, you're, you're probably going to be earning this for the next five, six years. This is probably the last time that I'm going to be potentially be earning this kind of money. So all my money's going into where I want it to go instead of, you know, nice cars and big houses and stuff like that. So my sort of, that was the sort of transition in my mind to think right afterwards, I need a, I need a plan. I need a plan. And this is where then, obviously, when I was at Pompey, we, someone come into the club and did a, um, a personal training course. I'd already done my level two, so did my personal training course. Just because I kind of, I've always had a thing with, with fitness and I love fitness and I love everything about it, uh, nutrition and fitness, which is, which is kind of my bread and butter, which is what I love. So that was the kind of avenue that I wanted to go down. Um, so that was what I kind of put all my eggs into one basket um, about. How significant is it, do you think, that you you had the awareness to know, you know this is this salary I'm on now is going to be the highest? Because you often think a lot of players must always think they're going to go up and suddenly there's a there's a, a cliff edge for them. How significant was it to be able to realise that? Yeah, and again, like I said, I, earning that kind of money and then dropping down and you kind of, you kind of, well, in my head, I kind of planned it in stages. It would be, it would be this amount, and then I'll go down a level, and it'd be that amount, and then I'll go down there, and it'd be, that, and it would just like a knock-on effect. It would just t- tailor off. But like I said, in football, that doesn't happen. So it's so important to have something in place. And where for me, and to my the whole transition now is, I sort of done my done my fitness qualifications, done my sports massage. So then I was going out into the industry whilst I was part time. Uh, doing personal training clients, doing sports massage. I had a job in a sports massage clinic, um, which, we, which was great, which is what I loved. And I was lucky enough to get a job at a college as a football coach. And then obviously I was having a level two as well and I was going through my B licence. Um, and again, that, that was amazing. And then I was, it was really, really lucky the fact how I kind of fell into place as a teacher went on maternity cover and one of the sports technicians then went into teaching. So then opened up a role for me to cover sports tech. And then kind of to cut a long story short, I kind of established myself as a sports tech, um, asked if they'd put me through my teaching qualifications and thankfully said, said they said yes. And three years later, um, I'm, I'm, I was qualified as a level five uh, a teacher. So again, with my with my background of doing my personal training, my level two, my level three, my S&C, my sports massage, it then allows me to teach all of that as well. So I was more employable so instead of if I didn't have that and then someone who I went up against had the fitness qualifications and I didn't, they'd get the job because they could cover more stuff from a, from an education point of view. So for me to do that, this is why I said it's my biggest, it was my biggest achievement is to get all my qualifications under my belt because you never know what's going to happen. I mean, growing up, even you know, later on in my career, before I went to the college, I had no aspirations to be a teacher, absolutely none whatsoever. But now... I got one foot in the door in my education, kind of got my head around it, really enjoyed it. And now I'm going into my third year actually being a proper teacher, I'm teaching level three um, personal training, teacher in sports massage, teaching sport and exercise science and getting to, to be the head of a football academy as well and, and, and coach 16 to 19 year olds, which is for me, it's, you know, it's, it's the perfect job. So on reflection, looking back, um which is brilliant listen your transition fantastic on reflection would you have started it earlier in your journey had had somebody sat down with you and gone look this is the person you know you might want to start looking at reflective things would absolutely. it be a nice thing to start at an earlier age yeah absolutely yeah the the earlier the earlier the better i mean for me even when i was at bolton when i was, when I was 
because obviously you do you, you do your football training but you have to do an education alongside it i was doing a, a level two fitness instructor course as soon as i got released by bolton i ended up you know just just cancelling it and then just obviously moving back home but for me looking back now if i'd have done that carried on with that qualification at the, the age of 17 18 i wouldn't have had to pay for it myself later on so the you get so much time off in football there's no excuse not to do any, any education obviously a lot of lads you know like going on the golf course after training but there is so much time off and now especially one, one good thing that COVID's actually had is brought online platforms like this where you can actually do your education. So there's absolutely no excuse why people can't go see the PFA, you know, do stuff, but a lot of the stuff's up in like Manchester, Salford, but whereas now where it's all done remotely, there's no excuse why people can't do it. It'd only be an hour, two hour um, slots of your time. And that's, that's absolutely nothing. Do you think at any stage, at any time, Matt, it would have affected do you think it would have helped your football career or do you think it would have hindered, i.e. the time you spent? Do you think it might have helped that? Because we all know what it's like. You're engulfed with it every time, aren't you? So when you miss a shot on a Saturday, it's all engulfing, isn't it? You either win or you lose. You're, you're up or you're massively down. Do you think if you'd had them yeah. things to concentrate on the middle of it, it would have been more of a help or more of a hindrance at that point? I think, I think it would be, be dependent on what you're, what you're studying. So if you're studying some sort of sports um, qualification, uh, so say S&C, I think it would help massively because then you can tap into the S&C coaches. You can, you can find out the data. You can go and sit with them whilst they're downloading all the stuff and pick their brain. So you're kind of getting two bits of education in one. So I think it would be a massive help. And it's also, like you said, if you miss a chance, it's just on your brain and you're thinking about the next chance you're going to get. But take yourself out of your football environment when you're in your own environment and doing something totally different is only going to be healthy for the mind. Got to ask you a few questions about Portsmouth, uh, as that's certainly an area I have a lot of uh, investment in. Firstly, you went on loan to FC Wimbledon, but there was obviously a fair consideration that the chairman at the time was very keen to bring you in at the start of that season rather than midway through. What, what kind of happened that summer in, in 2014? Yeah, so I, yeah, obviously... I was I was linked with with Portsmouth at the time as well, and um, it was it was a club that I'd, I'd wanted to go to. Um, but obviously, Andy Orford, who was manager at the time, I think he he didn't choose Craig Westcar over me. He said he you know he would be better fit for what they're doing. So absolutely, you know, no problem. And I, like I said I was at I was at Bournemouth at the time, and um, so to be fair, Neil Ardley took a chance on me uh, at Wimbledon. And again, I I love my time at Wimbledon. It was it was amazing. Um, it was really good and, and like I said I you know I still speak to Neil Ardley now because I've got so much time for him he's, he's a great coach and a great manager um so yeah it was really 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 good stage in my career but then obviously when I heard come January time when Portsmouth were interested I was thinking cause at the moment I'm I'm traveling three trains uh and then meeting Danny Borman in Wimbledon to go to training so leaving at stupid o'clock and um, to get there which it was my decision, which is what I wanted to do. So I had to, had to live and live and die by that. But um, when Portsmouth come calling a, a club, such a big club like Portsmouth, where they're getting 18, 18 and a half thousand, and it's only an hour down the road from me, and I can travel it, so kind of just ticked every single box that that it needed to at the time. And so you ended up there. But the second half of that season, that that was when Portsmouth were were kind of slipping away ahead of what was a, a massive reshuffle in that summer of 2015 with you, you one of the sort of few players playing from that season into the next one. Yeah, 
Yeah, is that the season Paul Cook then? Yeah, over? summer Paul Cook took over, yeah. Yeah, so obviously speak, speaking to a few of the lads that obviously who you know quite were quite tight with their agents, with everyone with the whispers around where he he wants all of the you know, all of his own players in and getting rid of all the, the existing players, minus a few of the long ones, young ones like obviously Connor, uh Webby, um, so closely. So he wanted to get rid of all this kind of like old Deadwood as such. Um and then for you know, you know, bring his own sort of people in. Um but that didn't really phase me, that didn't really bother me one little bit. So I just had to just um crack on and you know, train as hard as I can and play as well as I can to try and keep my shirt because I knew competition was going to be was going to be tough. And you certainly did to, to, to start of that season as, as as things started pretty well for for Pompey and you were you were in the team a fair amount. Yeah, I loved it. And uh, one of the meetings I had with Paul Cook when he came in, he said I, I finished Golden Boot uh, the season before that, and he said I'll get my chance. Um, that's that's what he said to me, and I you know you take that at face value, and I was I was happy that he said that, so I knew I was going to get a go. Um, whether I got a fair crack at the whip, don't know. Uh, but you know, the the it's not all about just obviously the one player. It's about the whole team. I, personally, I thought the way he he conducted himself as a manager as a coach was was poor. I think, um, but that's just just my opinion. Uh, is is he a bully? I, yeah, um, I think bully bully is a bit of a harsh word. I think I think he had his way of doing it and. For me, from a from a human point of view, it was wrong. I thought well, the way he treated people wasn't wasn't correct. Um, getting people to train with the youth team when you know they've done nothing wrong, um, you know, making them outcasts. Letting I one one training session, I turned up and he told me to go home just because I wasn't wanted in and around the place. And then that training session, I ended up the the drugs testers come in uh, and they called me out for a drugs test and. Because now, if you're not in it, well, then you, if you're not, you don't come into training. You have to register why you didn't come to training. But I just got told to go home, so I went home. Didn't even think about it. Then I got one strike for missing a drugs test, and it's like, well, you know, this isn't my my fault. It's the, the club told me to go. But there's just loads of little things that kind of amalgamated the fact that I think that now he, you know, he's, you know, he'll get found out. I, I guess it's one of those spats. Spat is probably not the right word, but it. You know, played out in the media. You both certainly had your had your say on on the issue. Yeah, I mean, for me, he was a coach that had a way of playing. Played one up front. I I was naturally more suited to playing to playing with a partner. Naturally, a, a bigger um, target man. And I think in one of the press one of the press interviews I did was stated a fact: the fact that I I think I'd scored some like five goals in seven games or something like that. And and he didn't really like that. Um, so I remember I remember when I'd come in. He kind of pulled me in his office and kind of ripped the paint off the walls with me. Uh, told me to go home, not wanted a club, never played for the club again. This that, and the other. Um, and then the irony is that season they obviously got into the playoff in the playoffs. And afterwards, I went in for a meeting with him, and he was really laid back, really relaxed, and he actually apologised for the fact that I wasn't involved, and he wished that he had me involved. Whether that was a bit of trying to keep me on side a little bit, I, you know, I don't know. And, and then you talked about your career post sports. So it was a case of. A few months here, a few months there, a bit of a bit of a touring round. How do you sort of look back on 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 that phase? Yeah, I think that I think the whole kind of Pompey scenario, kind of where you go from a golden boot uh, the season before, and then you go to a, obviously you're staying at a club, but a new manager comes in, and, and you you know he's not having you, so you know you're kind of looking elsewhere, and then it's 
you know, you, you're dotting around at a few clubs in in non-league, and then that's that's where you kind of think to yourself, like, that, I kind of fell out of love with football from from that moment onward. Just kind of way I was treated, uh, and not only myself. I think you look at McGurk as well. Obviously, Naismith. We were the three that were training with the youth team. But Naismith's obviously gone on and had a fantastic career, which which is really, really, I'm really pleased for him. Yeah, but th- that the Naismith story, if you focus on that moment in time, the Naismith story seems very unlikely when you you look who's effectively told he could go at that point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like I said, us three were told we'd never play for the club again. But then, you know, two out of three, obviously myself and McGurk, obviously I, I don't know what Adam's doing now. You know, I don't, don't hear from him. I don't think he's playing anymore. Maybe somewhere back in Ireland. I'm not entirely sure. But, um, but yeah, it's just, it is football. And that's that's how some managers work. For me, it's not how I would work. I don't, I don't think it's right. I don't think, I think it's just more of a case of having an adult conversation uh, instead of, you know, treating treating you know, humans that way. I don't think it's right, especially in their workplace. Um, but then again, for me, it, it you know, something without being bitter and sour grapes, you look at his coaching staff at the time, all three of them are now left him. So, that's it. Um, what made you come back to play for Bashley? Because obviously you'd had a, a couple of years where you, where you weren't playing. Yeah, so I think I had about two and a half years out, I think. I think... I think I just had enough. I think I just think I was at Gosport, um, and again, again, we we struggled that season. Me and Craig McAllister, uh, with the resources we had, we had a chairman who who would speak to other managers and chairman who'd say that our budget was three times the amount it was, and it was it was just kind of really like just frustrating to to go for a season like that. But we survived, uh, and we had we had another year on our contract, and then we had a meeting with uh, the chairman who said that you know this is the end of the road and. Obviously, since the Portsmouth, it was kind of, you know, spiraling downhill for me personally. So I needed, I needed to, I needed to just take a break. I needed to just get get out of football. And then, obviously, my wife at the time was when I was at Gospel was pregnant. So my little girl came along, um, you know, straight straight after Gospel, and that was perfect timing for me to then take the break. And I needed it. I needed to to get back, um, concentrate on you know my education side of it, and then. Um, obviously spend the time with my wife and my little girl and then 18 months later my little boy comes along so it's there's this really so now we're a family of four uh, and I've got to support them um, and then obviously the whole Bashley thing come about is obviously Bashley is so local to me as well and I, I know a few of the boys there and um, I kind of got talking to the chairman and he asked if I wanted to come in uh, and I said yeah it's not a problem so I went in as a player coach um, which was which was amazing, and I come in at the right time at the football club as well because, on a smaller scale, but it's similar to Bournemouth, the, the club's going through a transitional phase now. Where obviously we got promoted last year, where I didn't think anyone thought that would get promoted, but we ended up crossing the line. And then the chairman's, you know, uh, a guy who wants to back it and he wants to push on and he wants to go again. So obviously the signs we made already this season, um, and we've played two games in the league uh, after just getting promoted, and we've got six points out of two. So things are things are looking up. So it's a uh, it's a good place to be at the moment. Would you be interested in becoming an assistant manager or even a manager itself again in the future? Yeah, I mean, he. I had this conversation with him in the summer when we were kind of sorting out this this season. He, and he asked if I would, would want to be an assistant manager. But um, currently there's already a manager and assistant manager there and I'm, I'm player coach. And I kind of said to him, I thought yeah, it would be nice having that as a title, but I wouldn't change what I do just for the sake of a title. Like me as a player coach, I'd do exactly what I do now. If Even if I was a manager, even if I was just an assistant manager, like that, what I do now, I won't change. 
feel quite, quite hands-on and that's how I want to be as a coach. Um, obviously, let the players get on with it as much as they can as well. Let them um, micromanage themselves as well because that's, that's how I think, the, that's how I want them to work. Uh, and it's working. So I don't want to come in and tread on people's toes and just have it just for a title, just for the sake of having a title. But like I said, from a manager's point of view, uh, I've got aspirations to be one. Um, I want to be one in the future. Um, I've got I'm a license qualified now, and now I'm just at the at the start of a new a new chapter of my life. So, how have you found that transition? Jumping onto the grass, jumping into a tracksuit, and and taking lads like you do at Brockenhurst. How have you found that? How have you found that journey? Yeah, I loved it. I mean, yeah, normal, this is the first season, like first season as such. I had a couple of years out where I've I've been the guy with a stopwatch and a whistle in pre-season. So I've actually liked the control curls. It's been all right. I don't mind it. Um, but yeah, I, I love it. I love it. But again, I've sort of said to the coach and the manager how how I see the football club working. I mean, I've got we've I've set up a group chat. Well, I didn't set it up. I've told the assistant manager to set up with me and three of the more experienced players just so we can communicate with them better and then they can communicate with the lads better. Just And I keep telling them it's as long as I'm here for me it's not going to be us and you it's just going to be us There's, if you have any issues you've got to just come talk to us um, so I really want a big kind of in-house family environment where everyone knows everyone about everyone and I think if that's the case uh, we'll get on better and we'll I mean, you've been in dressing room with yourself if, if everyone's really good mates you, you fight for each other and being in a dressing room a good dressing room will get you 10 points come the end of the season easily Final couple from me do, do you look back and have any regrets when you look back on your journey? I don't think I don't think I have any regrets. No, one one there is one thing that I kind of think how my career paths could have differed is if I would have stayed at Wimbledon uh, or gone to Portsmouth. I mean, because like I said, I was really well liked at Wimbledon. Um, I was I was scoring goals for fun. Uh, they offered me financially exactly the same package of what Pompey offered me. Um, it was just a case of going to Portsmouth at the time was too good to turn down. So I wouldn't say it's a regret. It's more of a what if. Um, but yeah. But yeah, and just getting to play for Pompey was was amazing. Final question. What excites you most about the, the next chapter in your life? For me, the next chapter of life is obviously education, because that's that's what I'm into at the moment. That's what I'm I'm looking at. Like I said, I'm going into my third year teaching. I really enjoy what I'm doing. I'm head of the football academy. It's local to me. Obviously, Kells knows Brock College as well. So it's, it's a great college to be at as staff and, and students that come there as well. Um, and just seeing where my my football takes me. I mean, I'm, I'm really enjoying it at the moment. I think obviously we've been on such a fantastic run since uh, since I've been there. And I, for, I'm not saying for one minute it's because of me because it's absolutely not it's, it's about the lads who, who like I said to the lads we we give you templates of how to play we put on passing patterns we we tell you how to patterns to, to play but it's up to you to go and replicate what that's and we can't do that for you I'm not a I'm never going to be a FIFA coach which demands you to do this demands you to do that that's not how I work so they got to like I said micromanage that as well so I'm really enjoying this transition at the moment um, and this way of kind of managing a group and coaching a group as well. So combining the two, there's a lot of similarities between teaching and coaching as well, which I find really, really beneficial. Well, as you say, listen, you're nestled down in the new forest in Brockenhurst College, which 
let's be fair, you couldn't be in a nicer environment to do your work every morning, that's for sure. I used to love, I don't know if you remember the days we used to go running off into the woods and the forests, yeah? I mean, yeah, you're, in a perfect, you're in a perfect position down there, Tubbsy, to enjoy your life. So it's a beautiful place to work. It is, yeah, I love it, yeah. Like, even even to the point where the drive into work, you know, when you're going past all the horses and donkeys and it's just so picturesque, it's lovely. Yeah, um, like I said, where my life is at the moment with my wife, my two kids, where we live in Muddyford, five-minute walk from the beach, my job, everything is now... Having that two and a half years out has made me kind of appreciate, you know, family life as well as now getting my teeth back into it and you know, giving a bit back. Matt, it's been absolutely brilliant having you with myself and Mike Kelly. Fascinating hearing about your journey and, and what's next for you. Thank you so much for being a guest on the Behind the Mask podcast. No, yeah, thank you. I really appreciate it. Thanks for, thanks for having me. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. Just search for Behind the Mask and you won't miss any episodes and we'll be back with another one soon.